Offsets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards shy of the record. Williams breaks a hole. Williams had a record book. Ricky Williams runs to the Hall of Fame. Touchback. Ricky Williams touchdown. Young from the shotgun. Back to throw. Vince looks. Under pressure. He'll tuck it in and run. Vince to the five. Young. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Vince Young has given the Longhorns the lead with 19 seconds to play in the game. Longhorn Nation, we're back. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Longhorns Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Galatson, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Tim Ham. He is a, a writer for us over at all of our uh, Sports Illustration sites, Cowboys, Washington, uh, Rams, Aggies, you name it, he does it. Um, he's a superstar on the radio and podcasts, and he's here to join us today to talk everything Longhorns from the last week. Uh, Tim, welcome. Hey, hey Matt, thank you he's very much for having me. Yeah, and we're really, really excited to have you. This has been a long time coming. We've got some pretty excited, exciting stuff planned for the future with uh, some, some preview and recap and game day stuff that we're going to be doing together, so... Um, this is kind of a new thing that we're trying out. We're really excited about it. You're already killing this stuff with uh, with our Aggies podcast, with our Cowboys podcast. So um, this is really really exciting. But yeah. you know, let, let's just uh, let's just get things started right now. Uh, you know, th- this past week there's been a lot of interesting Longhorns news, um, really, and also just national college football news. Um, but so we'll start there. Uh, Texas announced that they would be joining forces with a branding company to help us, you know, these athletes, these student athletes with their, um, their NIL, NIL deals. Um, it's, it's a new agreement in which they can use their, their name and likeness to, to do things with, uh, with jerseys and they can put their names on the back of jerseys and make money off of stuff like that. Uh, what are your first impressions of that kind of stuff and how it's going to, um, you know, sort of affect things with the Longhorns? You know, when they first announced the NIL deal, the name, image, likeness agreement, um, this is what I had in mind, that this is the kind of thing that the players would be able to profit off of. And to me, this is the most logical and most natural transition for that scenario. And, uh, you know, teams and, and schools and, and programs have been making so much money for so many years just off of player-specific jerseys. Um, especially the quarterback position for some of these bigger schools. And to me, this is just the most logical transition that you can have for the NIL agreement. I mean, it, it's a perfect fit. Yeah, and, you know, it, 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 it kind of makes you think back to, to some of these past Heisman Trophy winners, you know, doesn't matter what school, Baker Mayfield, Ricky mm-hmm. Williams, whatever. Um, had they had this opportunity to sell jerseys when they were going on those kinds of runs, um, the amount of money they could have brought in, you know, uh, and, you know, this year for, for Texas, I've got Bijan Robinson or, you know, Hudson Carr, or Casey Thompson, whoever starts a quarterback, they're going to get those opportunities to, to make money off of that. But also, you know, I, I, I don't know if you're into the game scene as much as I am as a, as a younger fan, but uh, it, the NCAA football games, like that, that's another thing. Like Casey Thompson could potentially now have his name in the NCAA football game should he stick around and make money off of that kind of stuff. So, uh, it's really cool, and you know all the stuff with uh, you know the, the players partnering with like restaurants or like lawn mowing services or just like whatever they whatever they right. can do. I mean, sure, 
there's players like Quinn Ewers, the the who just went to Ohio State, who's you know partnering with like a kombucha drink or whatever. Right. There's just so many opportunities, but this just always felt like the most natural thing. Yeah. Like you said, I'm excited for them to get an opportunity to do that kind of stuff. And by the way, kudos to the NCAA, you know, for allowing this finally after all of these years. It's to me, this has always been a, a discussion that we have had for years and years that you know the players deserve this. You know. Co- I went to college. College was a struggle, man. I wasn't even an athlete, you know, but I can imagine these athletes, so much is demanded of them by the program and by the school, and for them to finally be rewarded with some of this. I just think the NCAA didn't do a lot of things right, in my opinion, but this was one thing that they got absolutely right. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, this has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. You know, they, these, these kids have been putting their bodies on the line for forever, um, and there are all these rules about, you know, these past rules, like, oh, you, you can't sell an autograph. You can't, you know, you can't have your name on it. All that stuff is, right. is just, it was so outdated and ancient. And it never really should have been the, in, um, the case in the first place. Because, I mean, this, I know it's technically amateur level because right. it's college. But this is professional sports now. Yeah, You basically have your own version of free agency. You basically have your... Uh, your own versions of like a pro league with the SEC and all the all the money that goes into these schools and all this stuff. So uh, the kids deserve it and they've deserved it for a long time. Um, and it, you, you, you're just ha- especially you're happy for the ones that that maybe won't get the national exposure like a Quinn Ewers did because he's number one recruit in the nation and all that right. stuff. Um, you know, with the opportunity, just like hey, if I want to go buy a Keandre Coburn jersey or a Deshaun Jameson jersey. Um, I can do that, and, and he can get a benefit off of that. And that's yeah. – that's they deserve it. They yeah. really do. It's a big deal. They work hard, yeah. And, and you talk about struggling in college. I was I was right there with you, trust me. I don't know how these kids do it. It's, Man, I don't either. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, we're happy to see that. And then also on the, on the college football front, uh, and then from a national perspective, uh, you wrote about this yesterday for, for LonghornsCountry.com and AllAggies.com. Uh, the signing class expansion possibilities first re- reported by Ross Dellinger. Um, and that is a big deal. Uh, it, I know it doesn't sound like it on the surface to, to a lot of, a lot of casual college football fans, but this is a big deal potentially uh, come to an agreement. Uh, tell us your thoughts about that. Yeah, no. And I think it's a, it's whatever they come up with in, in the end of it's going to be better than nothing better than what they have now. Uh, since they made the adjustment to the transfer portal rules where now student-athletes can transfer one time without penalty, I, to me, that was kind of a big deal. You know, I always thought that, that student-athletes, you know, football players, basketball players, baseball players, whatever sport you're in, you get recruited by a coach and you show up for one year to play for that coach and then he's gone the next year. That puts the student-athletes in a bad situation. That's not who they signed up to go play for, whoever comes in next and follows that coach. That's not the program that they agreed for four years to play for or whatever. So the, the adjustments they made first and foremost to the transfer portal, I think was a good adjustment. But now there's a domino effect because now programs are losing out on these guys that transfer out and you can't replace them immediately. So now they're, so now this comes into to play. So I think, you know, first you, you paid attention to the student athletes, giving them an opportunity to do what's best for them. Well, now you got to let the programs – uh, do what's best for them by adjusting this rule now. And I think it's a good rule, whatever they come up with, whether it's 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 uh, the cap, you cap it at seven or whatever you do. I mean, there's a number of different scenarios out there for this, but whatever they ultimately come up with and agree on, it's going to be better than, than where we're at now, which is 
there is no no arrangement for it at all. Yeah, and and if if you really go back and think about it, there might not be a school in the country who would benefit from this more uh, this year than Texas. Yeah, uh, should have, you know had it already been in effect. I mean, they lost. Uh, a few guys to the transfer portal once Tom Herman left. Um, and then they gained a few guys mm-hmm. when, when Steve Sarkeesian came in, Ben Davis from Alabama, Keelan Robinson, uh, Ray Thorne, a whole bunch of guys. So it's just the, the turnover when you have a, a coaching change is just insane. Um, and, and that I think is the most important part of this because yeah, I mean, you, you can sign 25 guys, but if you allow those extra those extra transfers to come in and, and do and do those kinds of things with uh, the roster manipulation, it's just going to make the transitions for all of these programs so much easier. Right. Um, whether it's a high level you know program like Texas or Alabama, I'm not saying Texas is on the level of Alabama yet. Nobody else. But you know what I mean? Blue blood programs, uh, Texas A&M, all all the big ones, um, right. all the way down to SMU. Who you know schools like that. They're, you know, they're getting, they're constantly getting transfers from schools like Texas and Texas A&M and the other big schools. So, um, no matter which way you slice it, it's it's really a potentially huge deal for every program in the country, and it's just another thing that's that the uh, the NCAA is starting to get right finally mm-hmm. after forever, and they've had a lot of fuckups. Yeah, yeah, um, and they. I should probably bleep that out later. Sorry, everyone. But it, <laughs> they, they've had a lot of screw-ups, and, um, you know, they're finally starting to get things right, and that's what's important. Absolutely. And, and again, kudos to the NCAA for finally getting some things right after all this time, you know. I've done nothing but bash the NCAA for as long as I can remember uh, for a lot of their outdated and antiquated rules and uh, procedures and things, but they're finally getting some things right for the student-athletes and the programs that support it. Yeah, and, and hey, like I, I went to Ole Miss, um, and nobody got hurt more by the NCAA in the last few years than Ole Miss. Yeah, and and look, you know, one of their one of their uh, infractions was Laramie Tunsil sleeping on the offensive line coach's couch so because he didn't have a place to sleep that night, yeah. and they got in trouble for that. So, like, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here, and those things are slowly starting to get better. Uh, not everything's perfect, no. but we're getting there. Um. Okay, so let's move in another direction with recruiting. We talked about the um, the expansion of the signing classes. There is uh, there's been a little bit of recruiting news um, so far in terms of prospects. Uh, Brennan Thompson, speedster, um, out of Texas, he released his top three uh, this past week, and I believe it was yesterday, and uh, he added uh, or he had Texas, Texas A and M, and Oklahoma State in his top three. Um, and he kind of fits the mold for, frankly, the modern-day receiver at this point, Devontae Smith kind of guy, maybe not that kind of skill level with running routes and everything yet because he's still in high school, but you know what I mean, just the flat-out speedster downfield right. threat, can take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. Uh, Texas has really been chasing that. Um, you know, they, they got Xavier Worthy in this past recruiting class um, after he got out of his letter of intent with Michigan. They got – or they're, they're trying to get Evan Stewart, who's arguably the number one receiver in the country, and he fits that mold as well. Um, how do you think that this recruiting battle for Thompson is shaking out? Because uh, A&M's right in the thick of it. Uh, I, if you ask me, Texas and Texas A&M are probably the teams to beat here, but you know, what, what, what are your feelings on it? 
You know, the recruiting, this has always fascinated me, and, and let me state my allegiance first and foremost. I'm an Aggie. <laughs> so um, the recruiting battle between A&M and Texas has always been one that fascinated me uh, from an Aggie standpoint. You know, even going back to the Southwest Conference days, and that's when I was at A&M was during the old Southwest Conference. And, um, you know, it, it, having such an allegiance to a school, and then when you have, when you have students that they're rec- they're both schools are recruiting – it always boggles my mind, like how you can pick Texas over A and M or A and M over Texas because they were such heated rivals for so long. You know, like I don't, I'd like, I would really like to sit down and interview some of these guys and say, what, why did you pick Texas over A and M, or why did you pick A and M over Texas? Like, what sold you on it? Is it facilities? Is it just the staff, the coach you want to play for? I mean, I, I get it. There's a number of variables there. You know, in Texas, A and M, I believe since joining the SEC, has probably had a bit of a recruiting advantage of course because they're in the sec and now that's going away with texas coming over to the the best league in college football um but it's you know as far as these speedster guys and brendan thompson for sure man i just i don't how can you predict which one he's gonna pick even even with oklahoma state i mean how can you how can anyone sit there and say here's what i think he's gonna do and here's why like to me i just i have no clue how to answer those questions because it's there's so many variables and it just fascinates me and it has for so long about how these guys make certain decisions to go to which school it just it's to me it's awesome yeah and you know obviously the only way you can really do that is by having an open line of communication with the kid and right. kind of get his opinion but even then he may not be feeding you the truth yep um i remember i'm not going to name names but there was a specific kid who uh and this was in the in recent months who told me specifically that you I, I told him, hey, I'm writing this this story for AM about your commitment. Um, you know, you know, I can write it either way, but I'm writing it in an AM slant, you know. Am I on the right track? And he was like, Yeah, man, you're good, you're good. And then two hours later he picked another school. So I was like, Well, okay. <laughs> so th- so there's really no way to tell what these kids right. are gonna do. They they may be on social media blowing up AM all the time because they're having fun with those kids that they're visiting with or whatever the case may be. And then they end up picking Texas or vice versa. Uh, Harold Perkins, one of the top linebacker recruits in the country. He's the same way. He's always on social media, blowing up A&M, blowing up A&M, but he, he very well could commit to Texas or LSU. Those seem to be the top, the top dogs there. Um, And and there's a whole bunch of other ones as my cat jumps in. It's, it's, there's really just no way to tell. And that's what makes recruiting so exciting. Um, yeah. And I mean, I was, I was, I was not to interrupt you. I have a sto- story about that. Um, a g- buddy of mine that played football at my high school at the colony uh, in the late eighties was being made offers by uh, North Texas, um, TCU and Oklahoma. And, you know, I remember talking to him, like, how, how are you going to pick, you know, are you going to stay local and go to North Texas or, you know, at the time joking around, you're going to go to who gives you the most money. You know, he wasn't a skill position or anything, you know. But finally, he decided yeah. to go, and he was leaning towards Oklahoma for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, he just changes his mind, and he, he went to TCU. And I remember asking him, I'm like, dude, so why, did, why, did, why TCU? I mean, they're all great schools. You can't go wrong wherever you go. He said, you want me to be honest with you about why I picked TCU? I said, yeah. He goes, I saw the prettiest girls on my campus visit at TCU, and that's why I went there. Like that's why that was his decision making right there. I was like, "All right, well, we're nineteen. I guess I guess that's all right." Yeah, and, and there's there's also various different things that, that go into that decision as well outside of that. Like sure. Oh, sure. 
you know, maybe, maybe you just feel more comfortable in the city. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the education, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. The bottom line is that Texas A&M really has outdone Texas on the recruiting trail, especially in the last few years. Um, Texas has gotten the better of them on a couple of occasions, but for the most part, we've talked about this extensively on, on other episodes of the podcast that you guys should all go check out. Um, but that this move to the SEC could change that. We, we don't know that. Um, frankly, right now, A&M is, and I know our listeners don't really want to hear this, A&M is the better program at the moment. Um, is that going to be the case forever? No, it never is. Unless you're Alabama and you're just this machine of right. ridiculousness, there's there's no way to there's no way to stay on top forever. Um, things are eventually going to even out. One thing that Texas has to do to catch A and M and make that happen is get guys like Brennan Thompson to to come their way. Is get guys like Harold Perkins, uh, Evan Stewart that's coming up. You know, they're, they're already out of the race for Bear Alexander. That seems like an A and M home run right there, and that's yeah. a big one for them. Um, so, you know, that those, these are the kinds of battles that they're going to have to win going forward. And if they do, you know, things can start to get interesting by the time they actually play on the field, whether or not it's going to be next year or five years from now, four years from now, whenever, I guess we'll see. I mean, Um, and really, isn't that why Texas made the change from Tom Herman to Steve Sarkeesian? Because he's known as a recruiter, you know, and they, they know that they're, and you can't tell me they didn't know about this SEC move when all of that was going on, by the way. <laughs> you know they oh, anticipated yeah. that when they made that change. There's absolutely no way in hell that Steve Sarkeesian didn't know that this was a possibility when he took the job. I think that that – I don't have 100% sourcing on this, but I'm fairly confident in saying that that was a pretty big selling point to them, um, to this, you know, the whole Sarkeesian camp and all that stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the reasons they switched to Sarkeesian, his recruiting prowess. Um, He's one of the brightest offensive minds in football. He's, he's, you know, on the cutting edge of everything right now. He brought a great staff with him. Um, all these different things. And Tom Herman was just kind of a stick in the mud towards the end. Yeah, he won. He got them the four straight bowl games, but he could never win the games that really mattered. Um, and I think that's kind of what they're looking for, and they're hoping that someone from the Sarkeesian tree, I mean, from the Nick Saban tree, is able to kind of push them over that edge. Um especially when they move into the SEC because they're going to have to face the likes of Alabama and, and LSU and A&M and, and up-and-coming Ole Miss and Georgia and all these different powerhouse schools on a year-to-year basis, and that's not going to be easy. Um, and that kind of brings us segues – or that kind of moves us to our next topic, which is Mac Brown. Right. Um, former Texas head coach, 16 years, uh, 15 – bowl games, kind of insane. Uh, I think it was 11 or 12, 10-win seasons, something or something in that range. Uh, Nine-win seasons and 14 out of his – I mean, he just did it all. National championship win, two Big 12 titles. Um, a legend around these parts. How my dad named his dog after this guy. Uh, it was – it was he, he was a hell of a coach. He's now back at North Carolina. He's got North Carolina on – you know, the precipice of a playoff berth. They're, they're right there in the mix to start the season. He had some comments for Texas uh, about their move to the SEC. And people have been making a big deal about what he said, but it's it's kind of just no nonsense. And it's it really is the right advice. Yeah. He's got to win, man. Every, everything else is fine. The money, the, the exposure, the excitement, all that stuff. You just got to win. 
No, and he's not wrong. You know, think about Texas A&M when they moved, made the move. Um, I was trying to think about Arkansas when they made the move. What was it, 91, I believe, when they uh, joined the SEC out of the Southwest, which, by the way, started, that was the impetus of the breakup of the Southwest Conference. But I don't remember how, how Arkansas performed that first couple of years. I'm sure it wasn't very good. But, you know, when A&M moved in 2012, they had a really good year in the SEC. They, you know, Johnny Manziel wins the Heisman as a freshman, and, and they were almost beat Florida. They beat Alabama. They kind of put their stamp on the SEC, and that early success is, has carried over a little bit as far as respect goes, I think, from some of the other teams and the coaching staffs in the SEC. Texas is going to be in a very similar situation. Mac Brown's not wrong. You need to go over there, and you need to win a lot, and you need to win early on to get some of the respect and help you recruiting quite frankly, in the SEC. Um, otherwise, you're going to be you're going to be Arkansas. <laughs> you know, and no, nobody in Texas wants wants Texas to be Arkansas in the SEC. But, you know, yeah. winning early and winning often is, is going to be their key with that move. And it's not going to be easy. Yeah, and, you know, it's it, – it's really the it's really the crux of everything. I know it's I know it's very simple, um, but if you don't win, you're making this move for nothing. You're you're making this move to catch a And M, to catch Alabama, and put yourself on that level again, um, challenging for national championships. Right. Because as good as as Texas was with their four bowl wins under Tom Herman, or their four bowl games under Tom Herman, you're like okay, right? What does that get you? You're, you're going to the Texas Bowl. You won the Alamo Bowl. Cool. You won a Sugar Bowl over Georgia. What happened the next year? Yeah. Nothing. So you, you got to get back up to those levels, and you got to challenge for national titles. And the only way to do that is to win. And a lot of people around Longhorn Nation are not too excited about Mac Brown having advice for the, for Texas. Right. But look, if anybody's qualified to give Steve Sarkeesian advice or give the program advice, I'm pretty sure it's Mac Brown. Yeah. He's won everywhere he's been. He's one of the best coaches in the history of the game. Um, yeah, Bob Stoops kind of owned him there in the middle of the 2000s or whatever, but, you know, that that, that was just the Texas OU rivalry. Um, he, he has every right to, to come out and say these things, and, um, you know, it's we've got a full story up on it on, on LonghornsCountry.com. You can read all about it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I know people don't want to hear it, um, but Texas still has a long way to go. And, and if, if anybody, if anybody knows that it's Mac Brown, because he, he took over the program from John McEvick, went four and seven, mm-hmm. got blown out by UCLA 66 to three. I sat in the stands for that game in 103 degree weather mm-hmm. for every single snap because my dad wouldn't let us leave. Um, so it, it he, he, he's, he knows what he's talking about. It. Right. And, um, people just need to, to shut up and listen, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, as you mentioned, Mac Brown carries a lot of clout in the Texas community and the Texas family, and rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, like you said, he has every right to say, especially when he's right, you know, and, and they, they would be good to listen. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I'm sure they didn't seek his input before making this decision. You know, I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know how much clout he carries over there, but maybe they did. And he probably was up front with them and said, yeah, if you're going to do this, you need to do it right, and you better – be successful at it. You're, you're going to make Texas a joke and nobody wants that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, really the first thing that the Texas needs to figure out 
on their way back to getting to where they want to be. And to win those games mm-hmm. is to figure out their starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, last season in the Alamo Bowl against Colorado, Casey Thompson came in and put on show. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger is not going to be around anymore, so that there's some question marks there. But Casey Thompson impressed in that game. Um, and he was, frankly, favored as the starter coming into coming into spring. I mean, Sarkeesian was saying some things, but everybody pretty much thought, you know, this is going to be Casey Thompson's job. He's got the experience on the field. Right. However, this week, Hudson Card has taken all of the first-team reps. And we don't know if that's yet because – He's pulled ahead because he's taking care of the football more, and he's got he's a little bit different of a player. He's got Casey Thompson's got a talented arm. Hudson Card has a Aaron Rodgers like arm. Right. In some cases, he can make throws that make you go wow. Um, and he takes care of the ball, um, but we don't know if that's because he's pulled ahead, or we don't know if that's because you know maybe Casey Thompson will get all the first team reps this week, and we'll just right. kind of see how it goes from there. Um. What are your impressions of the quarterback race? I know A&M's got a, a, a similar one going on. Just, just, just talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to what's going on over at A&M. And, uh, I mean, like you said, I fully expected Casey Thompson after that showing at the Alamo Bowl. Like, it's a no-brainer. He's the starter going into 2021 for the Longhorns. But um, it's, it's, it's really easy to overthink these things as media members or as fans, you know, looking at the practices and who's getting snaps. We do the same thing in the NFL, you know, at training camps. When you see one quarterback getting more snaps over another one, especially when you expect a quarterback uh, fight or, you know, if there's a quarterback controversy on the team, you start to overthink things. And the coaches really have their their plans, and it's, it's the same in, in college football. You know, the coaches going into these camps – have thoughts about each guy and they want to see each guy in specific situations on the field and in practice. And it may or may not have any bearing at all on who they think or who they've already decided is going to be the starter. So it's real easy to overthink these things. But to me, Casey Thompson's your clear cut starter. I mean, Hudson cards probably, you know, fully capable of starting, but to me, Casey Thompson's already shown what he can do. And especially um, when, I mean, this is a, this is an important time for Texas. You need to be winning before you make this move to the SEC. You need to be dominating the Big 12 for your time you have left there. And to me, Casey Thompson's your guy. Yeah, I mean, look, he's – my argument against that, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you that he would probably be the more logical pick just because he's got that little bit more experience. But we talked about this a little last week, and – does it really matter that he has that on-field experience in the sense that it's a completely different system? Mm-hmm. That, that's the only thing that, that gives me pause because, I mean, look, if it was me going in and Steve Sarkeesian handed me the keys and was like, hey, pick the starter, I'd probably go with Thompson just because it made me feel safer. Um, but it's, it's just a matter of, I think, who's grasping this, the new system better, um, who fits that mold better, Casey Thompson – isn't I mean he's he's an athlete he's mobile but Hudson Card has a little bit more mobility he can do more with his feet he's got a bigger arm he takes care of the ball better but Casey Thompson does have the experience he's got the leadership skills he's got the rapport with the receivers already more than more than Card does so they each have their their thing and I think that's what makes this so interesting is because 
you know, and I think people might be tired of hearing about it, but I mean, it's, it, it, it's gonna, I think it's even though the card took the, all the first team reps this week, it very well could switch back next week. Right. And they could just be, just be playing that out because they have to figure out a way to, to narrow down this, uh, this competition because they've got Louisiana coming in on September 4th and, People say, you know, the casual college football fan says, hey, it's just Louisiana. But Louisiana is a, a dark horse, you know, group of five playoff contender. If, if any, right. if there's a couple of those out there, and they're one of them. They're, they're the Boise State this year, the, um, you know, the UCF. It's them. And uh, that's going to be one of the toughest games on Texas's schedule this year, honestly. So if they don't have it figured out by then, uh, and they don't, come out and win that game, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, they don't have the cream, the cream puff schedule that A&M does to start the season. A&M's got Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico before they get into SEC play. But And, you know, A&M's in the same situation. they got to have their quarterback figured out, hopefully before that Arkansas game or definitely the Mississippi State game. But, yeah, that, that Louisiana game for Texas, that could be a very early uh, disappointment for them to start the season if they're not careful for sure. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Sarkeesian will have it figured out. There's, there's a lot of different position battles to get figured out. It's not just quarterback. Um, the one position or the few positions they do have figured out are running back. They got a Heisman candidate in D. John Robinson. Uh, they're pretty they're pretty solid at the corners on defense. Um, they're pretty solid along the defensive line. But outside of that, there's a lot of open competition. So that, that's that's what makes Texas such a volatile pick in, in the top 25. We've seen them everywhere from. Uh, in these polls from 16th to 23rd. I've seen some projected higher that aren't as reputable. Like, it, it's it's all over the place, and, and people really just don't know what to think about them. Yeah. Um, one thing people can agree on, I think, is that Sarkeesian has this program heading in the right direction. They're recruiting well. You know, it, they've got an awesome coaching staff now. Pete Kukowski is is the guy that they brought in to stop the Big 12 offenses, and right. yeah, they're going to the SEC now, but that off, that kind of offensive system is everywhere now. Yeah. It's not yeah. the Big 12, but we'll just kind of have to see how it goes, and w- once we get closer to Louisiana, um, maybe they'll settle down on, on one or the other, but um, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, and you know, this is one of the things to me that makes college football as a fan maybe a little more exciting than the NFL, and it's because, you know, every three to four years, you're going to have a quarterback competition at the school, you know, due to graduation and leaving in the draft or whatever. And it's exciting, man. This is the, one of the funnest things to talk about if, for your team, whether it's Texas or A&M or LSU right now or whoever that's got some quarterback competition going on in camp. It's, this is just, to me, this is what makes college football so much fun. Yeah, I've always been – I mean, I love both. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I realize that the NFL on paper is it's a much better played game because they're all pros. But I've always kind of leaned more college football. Sure. It's, it's not just the turnover for me. It's the it's the whole experience. It's college game day. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's the traditions. It's, it's things like Texas and Texas A&M, you know, going at it on the field, which thankfully, thank God, we're getting back. Coming back, baby. Yeah, no matter which way you land on the right. rivalry, coming back, and I think that's exciting for it's, everyone. It's good for both schools. The renewed rivalry will be good for both schools. There's no question. Yeah, and you know maybe it's at the at the expense of um, Bedlam and Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but mm-hmm. you know 
I think that the Texas Texas A&M rivalry carries a little bit more clout than that one. So we're absolutely. Uh, well, Tim, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we're going to have to do this a lot more often. We will be doing this a lot more often. Uh, Tim and I have some pretty fun stuff planned for, for the regular season with recap pods and game day previews and, and all kinds of things like that. So, um, and we're going to be doing this on video a whole yeah. lot more. So, um, Tim, tell me where they can find you and all that stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at IndyCar Tim. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Just look up my name, Tim Ham. And, uh, you know, just Google my name and you'll see me in all sorts of places that I probably shouldn't be, but I'm there anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, that's, uh, that's going to do it for another episode of the Longhorns Country Podcast. Um, we are now part of the Blue Wire Network, which means um, we are going to be on iTunes very, very soon, or Apple Podcasts, excuse me. But we're already on Spotify and most of your other favorite platforms, so go like, rate, and subscribe and follow us there. And uh, we'll see you next time. Stay drip to the feet, night ticks on fleet. Fuck with it, fuck me, fuck shorty, fall free. Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh, ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh, stay drip to the feet, night ticks on fleet. Fuck with it, fuck me, fuck shorty, fall free. Ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh, ain't no killers, I'm just killing all these beats. Uh,